On today's Locked On Mariners postgame show, Julio did it again as the Mariners sweep the Rangers in three games, but will this be enough of a boost for a successful road trip to Houston and New York? All that and more coming right up. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Locked On Mariners postgame show. It is Wednesday, July 27th, 2022, and thank you so much for making us your first listen after the game. We are free and available on all platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday through Friday. I am your host, Sadie Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at InsideTheMariners.com for Fan Nation over on the Sports Illustrated Network. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash control the zone. We post two additional podcasts on there every single week. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash control the zone. And if this is your first time joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up we greatly appreciate it again we are trying to get to 2411 subscribers by august 2nd and if we do giving away a signed mitch hanniger car there it is Ooh, shiny very shiny uh for those that are listening and not watching us on youtube just take it from me it's a very cool looking card so if you haven't jumped on over to our youtube yet come on over subscribe tell your friends to come on over tell your enemies to come on over anyone who you know that is a mariners fan tell them to come right on over to youtube and subscribe to the locked on mariners page and then they'll enter for a chance to win a signed Mitch Hanniger card. And I mean, who doesn't love Mitch Hanniger? Well, I guess Colby, because he's given away his card and has besmirched his good name earlier on in this season. Ty, so- Ty, Ty. If you want me to pull up the receipts <laughs> oh, no. of a certain tweet that was sent last August, oh, I can no. do that for you. Oh, but Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so let's, let's let's not go there, buddy. <laughs> let's let's just move on, guys. You heard nothing. You heard absolutely nothing <laughs> at home. So this is, of course, going to be a little bit more of a casual show than than some others because it is so late in the day, and uh, the game has uh, happened already for the Mariners. They did win four to two over the Texas Rangers. They sweep the Rangers, and because the Astros got swept by the A's down in Oakland, because baseball baseball yeah Yeah, exactly uh the mariners are pretty much right back where they were at heading into the all-star break so uh they have also surpassed the rays in the wild card standing so right now they hold the second wild card uh they're of course trailing the blue jays who i believe haven't lost since the all-star break so that's a little yeah that's a little unfortunate uh, a little unfortunate timing there but it's gonna be the ends of flows they got yeah they got to play the triple a um Royals and then they yeah. uh now they're playing the Cardinals without Arenado and, and Goldschmidt. So yeah, sure. uh sometimes the schedule works in your favor. So mm-hmm. uh, but hey, you know what? If the uh Blue Jays lose tonight, I believe the Mariners will have regained uh the number one wild card spot. So if the Blue Jays lose tonight and the season ended at midnight, um the Mariners would be hosting playoff games. So you're still Not in a pretty bad. good spot. 
Not bad, not bad indeed. So we're going to be talking about today's game. We're going to be talking about last night's game. Going to look at George Kirby's start. He was really, really good last night in his five innings of work. And uh, we're also going to look at some under-the-radar trade targets, uh, including a catcher out in Detroit who Colby really likes. And now that the Tigers have basically said everyone's available, I mean, shoot, let's look through that whole roster and see if there's anyone we like. Obviously, they're not selling Riley Green, though, but I would like Riley Green. Riley Green is pretty cool. But, uh... <laughs> sure. Well. <laughs> I mean, if they're dumb enough to trade Tariq Skubal. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't hurt to ask. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just throw yeah. it out yeah. there. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So Julio, of course, did it again. Chills. Julio did it again. Three-run home run to give the Mariners a really, really much-needed win when you think about it. Because, I mean, taking two of three is nice against the Rangers. But getting this sweep, I felt, was really, really important for just kind of the, the momentum going into – this road trip, this is a huge road trip coming up. They got Houston for four. They got New York for three, all on the road. That's it's going to be a gauntlet, man. And so any sort of buffer that you could give yourself to survive that if worse comes to worse on this road trip, you, you needed to get it. And so they were able to get this all three games uh, in some pretty big ways. Obviously, they walk off last night and they mount a little bit of a comeback here today. It was two to one. But, it, it, you know, it seemed like they were kind of sluggish. They were really struggling to pick up John Gray for most of the game. I mean, Julio himself was just getting absolutely owned by John Gray's slider for his first couple of at-bats and then finally got him uh, in his last at-bat against him in, in, in such a huge way. But, you know, again, I, I just felt that this was such a, a, a huge, hugely needed win for the Mariners. What, what did you think coming out of the series? Uh, Yeah, you know, it's it's... Honestly, I would have been fine with a series win. You you always want to sweep. Um, but, you know, series wins are, are pretty good. And at this stage, if you're just consistently winning series, you know, 60, 65% of the time, you're going to make the playoffs. You're going to be in good shape. So, uh, But, you know, because you're playing Houston for four and because you're playing the Yankees for three in New York, um, you want to create a little bit of a buffer so that if you go, you know, two and five, uh, this next week, it's not a disaster, right? It's not the end of the world. And by mm -hmm. sweeping the, the Rangers, what you've done now is that, you know, and, and you can do this any way you want, but what you've basically done is you, is if you go two and five against the two best teams in the American league, well, you went five and five over your last 10, you're mm -hmm. fine. Right. Yeah. So you, you've created that buffer and then you're done with the Astros until potentially the playoffs. The Yankees got to come back here and they'll do that after a, I believe it's a three game series against the angels. Um, might be a four game series in three days um, against the angels and the Yankees will come into town and then you're done with yeah, the Yankees. It's, a, it's one of the weird yeah, uh, series to make up for the lockout. Games. Yeah. Genius. Let's play yeah. nine innings on those double headers too, while we're at it. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, insane. The Mariners, by the way, just real quick, don't want to get off on a whole thing here, but the uh, the Mariners likely won't face uh, Mike Trout in that series. He's been diagnosed with a rare back disorder or something, so that's something to keep an eye on. Hopefully, you know, as, as you know, much crap as we talk about with with Mike Trout and the Angels and everything, hope hoping that Mike Trout is okay uh, and that everything is good on He's that fine. front. 
Yeah. He's fine. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. It was, it was kind of weird because Gray was dominant today. He was very mm. good. Um, the slider was filthy. The fastball was 98, and he was dotting it uh, on the corners and even mixed in a really good changeup that was about 91 miles an hour uh, a few times, mostly to the lefties. So uh, he was tough, and, you know, they just had to grind it out and, and you know, give credit to Marco for keeping the game you know, right where it was, you know, giving up two runs over seven, giving the Mariners bats a chance, waiting for the the kind of crack in the armor that was John Gray. And, and mm. you know, they pushed Gray's pitch count up to 100, and then shortly thereafter, he makes the mistake. And the Mariners, mm. and in this case Julio, did not miss the mistake. And as a result, they win. So, yep. uh, yeah, you got to give credit to Marco because that's – it's a good bounce back when the bullpen was short today as well. So Marco giving giving them seven uh, and doing what he couldn't do last time against Houston, giving his offense a chance to mount a real comeback attempt. And, and uh, the Mariners were able to pull it off. Another big game for Sam Haggerty. Mm-hmm. He collected a couple of hits, including the Mariners' first run on an RBI mm-hmm. hustle double uh, that he just kind of chipped into left field and then had a uh, – a nice little double down the right field line uh, to yep. set up second and third there. There was a review to see if he came off the bag. It was one of those silly, you know, did he come off the bag for split second type of plays, which those to me, I, I just, I don't think that should even count, honestly, if a guy pops off the bag yep. for a split second. Uh, anyway, he was called safe uh, and, and the review kept it as such. And then Julio, of course, you know, came through with the big three run home run there. If I was a Rangers fan, though, I would hate Sam Haggerty. <laughs> All this guy has done has just destroyed my team and he's just this he's just this dude like if i'm if i'm a rangers fan i just see sam Haggerty as just this guy right like he's like sam fold he's sam Fold, pretty much (laughs) i mean it's it's we can ask bryce but i'm sure he doesn't have warm feelings about sam Haggerty. yeah um yeah Haggerty. you know he also came off the bench what was it yes last night and he had a big stolen base i mean it was Mm -hmm. it was a it was the pitcher was quick to the plate the catcher made a great throw Haggerty just got a better jump and was faster. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a really impressive bag to steal. Um, and so, yeah, it just seems like every time Sam plays, he'll do something to help you win. And I just, I wonder when we've gotten to the point where the Mariners, we know that they're going to add Mitch Haniger at some point, barring some kind of setback. We think that Taylor Trammell is relatively close to coming back as well. Um, and we believe that the Mariners are going to acquire a bat of, of some kind, probably not a, a, a big name, but Maybe somebody who's, you know, a Brandon Drury, a Joey Wendell, somebody like that. I have to wonder if at this point, when they start their roster shuffle to accommodate all these bats, if it's not Sam Haggerty who stays up and Dylan Moore and Abraham Toro are the ones that get shipped down to AAA, Mm -hmm. where I think in the past we've assumed that Moore would stay up and and it would be Toro and Haggerty going down. I I think I think Haggerty has earned his way into be the the. Uh, utility basically the Dylan Moore role I think Haggerty has earned that over Dylan Moore with his play mm-hmm. the last few weeks so I want to ask you about Marco Gonzalez and George Kirby in just a moment but real quick got to remind the folks that today's episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to them 
by Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as the person you love with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft their perfect engagement ring and each ring will be a one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and going on now is the Blue Nile Anniversary Sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen after the game. The MLB trade deadline is, of course, August 2nd, and Locked On MLB has all the breakdowns, and Locked On Mariners will have rapid reactions to any move made. Subscribe now to your favorite Locked On MLB team on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, so you get notified when each episode premieres. And, of course, we'll be talking more trade stuff later on in the show. But first, like I said earlier, Colby, I want to ask you about the pitching. Let's start with George Kirby, who pitched last night. He went five innings, was on a limited pitch count, and uh, made use of that. He he made quick work of the Rangers in his five innings of work, four strikeouts for him. What did you see out of Kirby in his first start back after getting sent down a little bit to manage his innings there? Uh, might have been the best we've ever seen of Kirby. And mm. considering the start he's been on, uh, you know, a few hiccups here and there, but he's a rookie who's – blown past his inning career high innings cap you know uh already Mm -hmm. so uh, it's pretty impressive to say that uh it was it was pretty reminiscent of the uh the tampa start where he was very fastball heavy but in this particular start it was more of the two seamer it was more of the arm side run to the fastball and and I, i think the entire night was best summed up by a by a pitch he threw to was it low it was nate low nathaniel low i believe uh it was a 2-2 pitch and and uh kirby threw a 95 mile an hour fastball that started basically at the elbow of of nathaniel low and broke into the inside corner for a left he he greg maddox him that's the pitch that greg maddox made famous when he was in his heyday that two seamer that starts like at the hip of a lefty and ends up on the inside corner and he did that. The difference is, is that Kirby did his at 95, 96. Maddox was <laughs> thrown 88 to 91. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's a pitch that's literally impossible to hit if you locate it like he did there. Uh, and that's that's a difference. That's a difference maker. Um, you know, we saw Kirby 96 with his regular fastball. We saw the two seamer 94 to 96 as well. Uh, so there's no real speed discrepancy there. Um, and we also saw, you know, a sharper breaking ball, a sharper slider. So. Uh, he was efficient. Uh, it was a really good matchup for him um, in terms of efficiency just because Texas is so aggressive. Uh, I was a little disappointed they didn't put him back out there for the six. I know he mm-hmm. was working on like a, I think he, they said 65, 75 uh, pitch count. He got through five and he still had like 15, 20 pitches left. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. They're trying to be careful with him. Uh, I don't I don't know if we, I don't, we might not see a better five innings out of uh, out of George Kirby this year. It was just a little bit of everything, throwing strikes, attacking guys, and then breaking out the new two-seamer, which uh, looks like a fun new toy. Yeah, gosh. It was a lot of fun to watch him pitch last night. It was He's 
He's so fun. He's so fun when he's on. Uh, this is everything that I, uh, you know, was hoping for, you know, just uh, watching mm-hmm. him over the last year or so. And uh, just thinking about when he would eventually reach the big league level. This is just this is this is that this is everything. Right. Kirby's got a higher upside than Gilbert. I mean, like, I'm yeah. not sure if it's close either. Uh, just yeah. there's just more diversity in his skill set than there is now, back when they Gilbert. were still back when they were still ranked. You and I mm-hmm. both had had Kirby ahead of Gilbert in the, in the it was, it's games. always close. Yeah. Right. It's and it's still close. Like I it's like Kirby just a little bit more variety in his skill set where mm-hmm. Gilbert it's just he has to have the fastball. If he doesn't have the fastball, he's screwed. And well, all pitchers have to have some fastball value. Mm-hmm. Kirby can have less of it and still succeed because he throws a ton of strikes, because he has the slider more consistently, the curveball more consistently than Gilbert ever does. So uh but we're talking about like One's a one's a number two and one's a high end number three. Like yeah. like who both I mean, honestly, if 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 Kirby and Gilbert both won a Cy Young Award at some point in their career, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I would also say, you know, with Kirby, there's a little bit more probability in his fastball than Gilbert's because the command obviously mm-hmm. the command is, you know, a right. potential I, for a for a lead, right? So Right. Gilbert's gonna strike out more guys too. Uh, he's gonna miss more bats yeah. than, than yeah. Gilbert. Mm-hmm. But both so, are great. So um, Marco pitched today. It was a solid start for him, I would say, uh, especially at the beginning. He he was really doing a nice job of managing contact. He only gave up a couple of hard hit balls through, I believe, the first four innings of work. Um, but then he, I think he I don't know if it was maybe the heat or just, you know, it's it's late in the season, et cetera. He just kind of seemed to tire out. He was starting to miss really bad. Uh, and and he started to get into a lot of, uh, you know, we saw him in some three, three ball counts, some three O holes. Uh, and it just, you know, he was, and then, uh, of course he gave up uh, a couple of hits there to, uh, to Heim and, um, who drove in the first run, uh, Culverson, Culverson, Culverson drove in the first run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what did you see out of Marco? Thought it was pretty good. It's, it's. You know, it's basically what we've seen from Marco all year where he kind of, you know, grits and, and bulldogs and, you know, outworks the other team and he gets through six or seven, giving up only a couple of mm-hmm. runs. And, and you know, naturally people, oh, well, see, you don't need to replace Marco Gonzalez. And it's like, well, what part of Marco's start was easy today? Not much. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, he was pretty good. It, it was, you know, for the most part, he threw strikes. For the most part, he commanded the changeup really well and made the mistake to Heim uh, to give up the lead. Uh, he did have some help from his defense. Julio made a nice running catch in, in the right center yeah. field gap. Uh, Gino Suarez had a couple of uh, really nice plays at third base. Santana caught a line drive, uh, hit hard right at him. So uh, there was definitely some BAPIB luck for Mo because of the, st- the stellar defense played behind him, mm-hmm. minus the Adam Frazier error. Um <laughs> Ooh, yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, but the, they they played good defense otherwise, and so Marco was kind of pitching. I mean, Marco always pitches to contact, and that's part of the problem. He doesn't miss a ton right. of bats. Five strikeouts in seven innings. It's pretty good for Marco, but that's that's kind of part of the problem sometimes. So, uh, mm-hmm. it was about as good as you can expect from Marco this year, but it's it's still not near enough to be. I I don't want Marco starting playoff games for me. Um. But yeah. uh, he, it was definitely a kind of a classic Marco gritting, gritting his way through a decent lineup, not a great lineup, but a pretty decent lineup. 
Yeah, I would, you know, I would say that at this point right now, obviously there's, the, of course, the the lingering issue of George Kirby's innings cap, but I feel like there is a fairly good possibility here that the Mariners end up getting two starting pitchers, one that kind of fits on the back end of the rotation, and then, of course, like a, a Frankie Montes, a Luis Castillo type um, to, to fit more near the, the top or the middle of the rotation. So at that point... Kind of feel like Marco and Chris Flexner are in a little bit of a competition here to stay in the rotation for which one stays in the rotation and which one ends up getting relegated to the bullpen. Who would you say is winning that competition if there actually is one uh, right now? Because Flexen over his last 11 starts has uh, never allowed a more than three runs over his last 11 starts. So, Yeah, he's also not being asked to go deep in a lot of those I, mm-hmm. last 11 starts. I think he's gone six or later uh, in five or six of them only. So it's, it's not like he's covering a ton of innings. Yeah, um, most he's gone d- during that time, seven on May 27th. I feel like there's been a lot of like five and a thirds mixed mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, I can just go through real quick. Six, 3.26, 6.26, 5, 5.15, 6.25, 7, and that's it. That's the eleven game stretch. Yeah, so just as many five inning outings as as six plus. So mm-hmm. like, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, eh. I don't know who's. I, I my guess would be that Marco would be more likely to stay in the bulb or in the rotation, just because he has kind of the the uh, the pelts on the wall, so to speak, in Seattle. He's he's mm-hmm. an established veteran. He's a leader of that pitching staff, and I, I think that would come into play because I don't think the difference between him and Flexen is so significant that stuff like that shouldn't matter or wouldn't matter to Scott's service. So uh, I, I still think I would give Marco the edge, but if it's just about you know who's who gives you the best shot to to beat you know the Yankees or or the Astros, it's probably Flexen by a slight edge just because mm-hmm. he, he can generate some more swings and misses um you know it's it's not like he it's not like it's a ton but just every you know there are days where flexen has a really good fastball and curveball combo and he gets eight strikeouts in six innings you know and that that Mm -hmm. type of performance just doesn't exist with marco gonzalez right now right so we'll see what happens uh, and what the Mariners do. I mean, this could be a, a non-issue if they only come away with one starter because I think whoever that is eventually just replaces George Kirby's spot in the rotation. Maybe one of Marco or Flexen goes down to the bullpen for the time being until Kirby's inning, limits, uh, inning innings limit comes up, or maybe they piggyback those guys, or maybe they go six-man rotation. Yeah, for a week or two, rest up yeah. the other guys. Maybe they skip Kirby one time around or something like yeah. that. They can get pretty crit. Maybe they just put Kirby in the bullpen, bullpen for the month of September. Sure. I mean, Kirby coming out of the bullpen, if he's got that two seamer, is going to be pretty nice. So, yeah. and maybe that's your middle your middle innings uh, addition to your bullpen is sure. actually Kirby in in late August or September. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, speaking of additions, let's mm-hmm. talk about some under the radar guys. Some some guys, you know, because we've gone big on this show. For a while now, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the Juan Sotos. We've talked about the Xander Bogarts. We've talked about Luis Castillo and Frankie Montes to death. Uh, and I'm 
God, I'm going to be so glad not to talk about Frankie Montes ever again, whether or not he ends up being a, a Mariner over the next week or so. I really hope he gets traded just so I don't have to say his name again. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so we're going to we're going to talk about some guys that are like not not of that tier, of course, so some some more. You know, look, the Mariners aren't going to hit a home run with every single deal that they make over the next week, right? Some guys are just going to be depth. And so we're going to look at some guys that might fit, that might appeal to them from that standpoint. But first, a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline.com online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online is where the game starts so i think i pretty much gave you the rundown there on, on what we're going to be talking about here just to uh really you know just to recap real quick we're going to be looking at some under the radar trade targets some guys that are not going to wow you when you see that the mariners have traded for them but guys that are going to help potentially mm-hmm. and colby you brought up a very interesting name because of course the tigers have at least according to ken rosenthal made every single player that they have available within reason of course but i mean guys like Tariq scoobal are apparently out there uh, available for offers to be made on so they have a young catcher slash left fielder he does play in left field a little bit as well eric haas who actually tormented the Mariners last year. I feel like he hit a bajillion home runs against them. Uh, So what do you think it would take to acquire Eric Haas, who would severely, I mean, like significantly help the Mariners at a position of need that might be a little hard to fill considering what the market looks like? Yeah. um, Actually, I decided I want to talk about another under-the-radar guy. His name is Max Scherzer. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. (laughs) Oh, never Uh, never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, Haas is in a kind of a very fairly similar uh, position as Austin Nola when the Mariners traded him. He's got four and a half years of club control left, uh, four and whatever is left on this year, not exactly four and a half. Uh, he's kind of an older major leaguer. He made his debut kind of late. He's 29 right now. Not a ton of wear and tear on the knees, a little bit more than Nola. Uh, a little bit bigger track record than Nola, though, although not the on-base type of uh, player that Nola is, and also not quite as diverse in the, in the position flexibility. Nola could actually play first base in the outfield and, and actually play a pretty decent second base, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's not Haas. Haas plays an okay outfield it's 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 passable it's it's if you see jesse winker out there it's it's you're willing to accept a lot out of your left fielder so uh haas would be fine out there you can get him and cal in the lineup at the same time you'd also rest cal raleigh i i know he's on a bit of a, a bit of, a bit of a heater right now but like how long how many days in a row can you run cal raleigh out there before he just runs out of steam um so luis Torrens had just non-competitive at bats today just can't seem to get his back going. And, and while Terence is fine as a backup, you would like somebody that you feel good about playing at least two or three times a week instead of one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Raleigh's just, it's, you just, you don't have that. So you feel like you have to play Raleigh and Raleigh will wear down. He's a catcher. 
I mean, that naturally happens, but if he's playing six times a week, it's going to happen faster. So yeah. I look at a guy like Eric Haas and I go, you know, honestly, the, the Nola trade is probably a pretty good comp. And we know how big the Nola trade was, um, you know, from the, for the Mariners, uh, they got basically four major leaguers out of it. They got a backup catcher an all-star first baseman, uh, a, a dominant late inning reliever and Taylor Trammell, who's, you know, a bit of a mystery right now, but it's still, if he was a prospect, he'd, he'd be top five in the Mariner system and he's got a ton of skill and talent. That's what it's going to cost, you know, to get, to get Haas, especially with the catcher market down this year. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what the exact crossovers for those guys are, but it's kind of like, I, I mean, I don't even know the Mariners have those guys in their system, you know, right now to, right. to give. So uh, we're talking about like, Jared Kelnick, uh, Luis Torrens, Levi Stout, yeah, maybe even Taylor Trammell, um, and like the big prize, which will be like Noelvi Marte or, or Edwin Arroyo, somebody like that. It's, it would be extremely expensive. So I, I don't really see it happening because, again, you're not, you don't need Haas to play every single day for mm-hmm. you because you do trust Cal. So it's not like you have this big black hole at catcher that you're trying to fill. You just, it'd be nice to have a really good backup and Haas is better than a backup, but I just, I don't see it happening um, unless the Mariners eat a ton of salary uh, from Detroit's side. And there's really only one player who makes sense for that to, you know, for that kind of salary dump uh, for the Tigers to take less. And that's Javi Baez. And I just, eh. yeah. so I, I don't, I don't think Haas is getting uh, traded to the Mariners, but they should absolutely ask about him. Yeah, maybe Javi Baez is someone that we talk about more so tomorrow because that is a yep. big, massive, very large idea that was uh, brought up by Jason Churchill, a prospect insider on his uh, Patreon show yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how I am. I, I want this team to add relievers at the deadline. I think if they don't, that's it's not necessarily a failure, but I, I, I think it's really missing an opportunity and it's really not taking an advantage to add luxuries in a smart way not in a reckless way in a way that that just it it gives you more probability from a place of of great strength for you but you've seen you know some guys have kind of fallen off a little bit from where they were performing you know Diego Castillo had a hiccup the other night Eric Swanson hasn't been uh, very good since he's come back he's struggled a little bit he struggled again today of course had a little bit of bad luck there with Adam Frazier's uh, booted ball that ended his day. But, you know, there's there's going to be some guys that end up regressing a little bit and maybe they, you know, they come back up as well. But you want to be able to prevent, you know, that from happening as much as possible or at least, uh, well, not really prevent that from happening, but more so protect yourself from when that is going to inevitably happen where you can go to other guys and not have to rely on Ryan Barucki. Ryan Barucki should not be pitching high leverage innings for the Mariners. Had Matt Fessa allowed another base runner today, I'm pretty sure Ryan Barucki was going to enter that game, and I do not at all feel comfortable with Ryan Barucki trying to hold on to a two-run lead. I know he had the the great performance against the Blue Jays, but outside of that, it's Ryan Barucki. <laughs> it's Ryan Barucki. Yeah, Come on. He's been pretty good against he's lefties been... in particular. So I mean, Sure, like... sure. But I just... <laughs> Yeah, I get there's still trust that has to be around there. Yeah. I, I so just, do, you, do you have a reliever that we haven't talked about? So, well, I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned uh, some of these guys. Um, 
you know, over the course of these shows. But I'll just list some names here because there's a plethora of guys that they could go after. I've mentioned Daniel Bard a lot from from the Rockies, mm-hmm. guy that averages more than a strikeout per nine, but is also walking like four guys per nine. Uh, you know, so there's a little, you know, there's a little instability there with, with someone like that. But Will Crow might be the most expensive guy that I have on my list because he's a former second rounder. He's under a lot of club control. He just became a reliever exclusively this year. He's been great. He's been elite at generating weak contact. He's basically like the Sergio Romo idea, but supercharged to the, you know, times 10. So uh, I obviously Chris Stratton, I'm going to mention it. I'm like, I'm contractually obligated to mention uh, Chris Stratton every time that I talk about relievers for the Mariners. Um, course i've talked about one nationals reliever tanner rainey for a long time but unfortunately rainey is uh, on the il it looks like his season is done uh, i believe it's like an elbow or a shoulder thing or something for him that's unfortunate but actually i believe it's a ucl sprain so that's really unfortunate um but they do have uh, another reliever named kyle finnegan uh, he's striking out a lot of guys. Uh, he has given up a ton of hard contact. Like he's like first percentile, second percentile, something like that in hard contact. But he's missing a lot of bats, and you know that's flashy. I like that. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, and obviously it's like ninety six on the fastball. There, there's some tools there that I like. Um, but I mean, there's just there's an abundance of names, right? Going back to the Tigers, Joe Jimenez. Joe Jimenez is another, you know, he's a guy that has struggled over the last couple of years, but now he's figured it out. He's striking out a lot of guys, and he's not walking anyone, really. He's walking under two guys per nine, so that's incredible. Plus, you get him for a year and a half. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that, like, if you're able to trade for Tariq Skubal, I really, really hope that Joe Jimenez is involved in that deal. Um, but, again, there's so many guys that you you know you could go uh, you could talk about here the diamondbacks even have some guys um what's the lefty's name god i forget his name doesn't matter there there's there's no shortage of options here with relievers for the mariners and not all of these guys are going to cost you really anything yeah. anything that is is <laughs> going to scare you away from maddie i mean some of them Jimenez, some maybe of them. yeah Jimenez, will crow for sure like those guys yeah but like not like you know, top once you, four or five yeah. guys. But also once you go further down the list and, you know, we're talking about like someone like Daniel Bard again, someone that's only under club control for the next couple months and mm-hmm. is a bit older, like that's not going to cost you really anything. So why not do it? Why not do it? You're in a great position right now. You have a great bullpen as is, but just further bolster that. Make it even better. Make, add even more probability to an already great unit. Is yeah. there anyone else you want to talk I, about? Uh, you know, we're we're running out of time here. I just I just want to throw out a name that, uh, well, a couple names. Uh, one of whom I feel like is is going to be a Mariner by deadline day, and I don't know if I mentioned him before on the show. Okay. Uh, I don't know why, but I I just have a gut feel that Whit Merrifield is going to find his way to the mm. Seattle Mariners. Um, play second base. He's he's kind of a good fit with with Adam Frazier. Um, you can also play center field. That's something mm-hmm. the Mariners don't have right now. Uh, he's a guy you can move around. He's, you know, he's more or less, you're not, you're kind of replacing Adam Frazier with him, but in reality you're replacing Dylan Moore, like that mm-hmm. type of role. Uh, you can steal base, which the Mariners desperately need. They need athletes who can run the bases a little bit here. Um, so I, I just feel like that. And the Mariners like to circle around on guys they've talked about in the past. So I feel like he's a pretty good option. Uh, it sounds like, the Royals will finally be reasonable and try and trade him. Yeah. Uh, no more asking for Kalnick or Julio. 
Um, you know, uh, Jonathan scope, not having a good year offensively, but it's really weird. Nobody on that Tigers team is hitting right now. Like the entire team cannot hit. Yeah. yeah like, scope so last time I checked and, and keep in mind, this was like two weeks ago, but scope last time I checked had a 60 WRC plus, but he was leading the Tigers in F1. <laughs> I think he was at, I think he's up to like 80 ish right now. So he's yeah. playing a little bit better. I, th- I think he had like 21 defensive runs saved or something like insane like that. Wow. And that's why I mean, his F4 is that high. Yeah. He's a, he's actually a pretty good second baseman. Uh, I think he's mm-hmm. been playing a lot of first this year. Could be mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, I think Mickey's primarily been the DH, but uh, yeah, he's actually a pretty good defender. He's definitely got some power. Um, so Jonathan scope is, is a guy who, who could make some senses, especially if you're going to try and go kind of cheap on, on at second base. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of try and because Frazier's starting to do some things, including make errors, but whatever. Um, so if you want to like, we don't platoon, talk about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> nah, okay. Uh, but if you want to like platoon Frazier and, and Frazier's got some defensive versatility. So you want another guy, I think mm-hmm. scope is, is kind of an interesting counterbalance to that so uh just guys like that maybe a tony kemp but eh, ramon Laureano, but eh, you know i i feel like uh it's backup catcher and, and somebody who can handle second base every day uh is really the place that the mirrors would look to improve offensively and and that's why we keep talking about like brandon drury but i think jonathan scope and whit merrifield are two other uh under the radar options I misspoke earlier. It wasn't defensive run saves. He only has six defensive run saves. However, Ooh. he has 20 outs above average, though. Uh, wow. At first base? At second. He's he's only playing wow. at second. Oh, okay. 93, nice. 93, uh, 93 games there. Been worth, That's significant, then. He's been worth 0.9 F4. He's hitting for a 51 WRC plus right now. Oh, it went way down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It went down. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, do you think he can hit? Because if you do, it's it's worth it. And, and like I said, nobody in Detroit is hitting right now. It's 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 really weird. Yeah. I th- does Riley Green lead the Tiger? Oh, well, it's probably Haas. Haas probably leads, leads the Tigers in WRC plus. Um. But I feel like Riley Green's got like an 88 and it's like number two or three on the team. Like that entire team cannot hit. It's really weird. Yeah, dude. It's uh, let's see here. It is right now. It is. Yeah, it's Eric Haas, uh, 112, Harold Castro at 106. Those are the only two guys that have qualified that have a WRC plus above 500 <laughs> or above uh, 100 rather on uh, on the Tigers. Crazy. Ouch yeah all right well that's gonna do it for our show today thank you for joining us here on the lockdown mariners podcast for colby pat node i'm tidy gonzalez be sure to give us a follow on twitter at lo underscore mariners you can follow inside the mariners at inside mariners you can follow me at dane gonzalez the c-a-n-e-g-n-z-l-z and colby at cpat11 that's c-p-a-t-1-1 you can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode whether you're listening or watching it thank you again for making us your first listen after the game now Make your second listen the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Go M's. Peace.